Well, happy Father's Day. Yes, it is a day for us to celebrate fathers. I'm a grandfather now, so I think we ought to have a happy grandfather's day. That's what I think it ought to be. What a joy it is for us to come together and, and uh, just remind you of a couple of things. Some people, I know some of you are here for the first time. Um, uh, this is not normally what we have up here or uh, that kind of, we got Vacation Bible School coming and I just want to make sure everybody understands Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow and uh, it's going to be a great day as we continue to reach into the seven cities of Hampton Roads and invite neighbors and friends, their children to come and hear about Jesus all week long. It's an opportunity for us to invest in families and even set the eternal trajectory of those families. I'm so glad that this church, you, takes seriously the mission that God has given us uh, to love him supremely, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to live this mission of telling others who Jesus is. And that's what we celebrate during Vacation Bible School. You, hundreds of you, mobilized to help children and, and their families learn who Jesus is. That's what vacation is all about. That begins tomorrow. We have another uh, round of Vacation Bible School. That will be July 12th through the 16th. Uh, but if you want to see what crazy looks like, you come tomorrow morning. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So uh, you be sure and be in prayer for Vacation Bible School starting tomorrow here at First Norfolk. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, I, I know that uh, today, on a day like today, I'm reminded of how thankful I am for my dad. Uh, it is Father's Day, and I've sent him a note uh, already. Uh, we'll call him this afternoon. Uh, my dad is 78 years old, and uh, for all the years that I've known him, and all the years that, that he has raised me, I am thankful for him. I'm thankful that he is a dad who passionately pursued God with his whole heart. He's a father who is committed uh, to faithfully uh, follow Jesus and to share him with others. My dad for as long as I've known him and the majority of 78 years, he has served the Lord and has given his life in service to him. But my dad is more than that. My dad is the man uh, who uh, loved me unconditionally, even though it seemed like some conditions were granted. This is my dad who shouldered responsibilities uh, for my actions at times. And this is my dad who brought correction to my life and always loved me toward truth. It's my dad. My dad who taught me to fish and taught me to love God's creation. My dad who taught me what it means to really love your family and to love your family well. My dad, who right now is with my younger brother, Brandon, preaching a message at church in Dallas. My dad, who some of my fondest memories are walking by the study that he had in our house and hearing him cry out to God for us. I'm thankful for my dad. It's the kind of dad that you hear Spurgeon talk about. You know, my dad was committed 
to give his life, not for himself, not for his own pleasures, but my dad lived for the glory of God and the good of his family. C.H. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, a father doesn't live for himself, but a father lives for the dear family gathered about him. Now, I have to admit, I haven't always lived up to that. And for the fathers in the room, I'm sure that you feel the pang of that statement that knowing that you haven't always lived up to that. So because I haven't always lived up uh, to what the Bible tells me I should do, I always try to find somebody who's done it worse than me. That's a joke. Oh, my goodness, that was a joke. That was a joke. But I found somebody. Listen to this story of how not to do it. When Ernest Seton was 21 years old, his father handed him an itemized bill for everything that his father had spent on Ernest up to that time. The bill totaled $537.50, so you can tell it was either he was a real chintzy kind of dad or it was a couple of hundred years ago. The bill totaled $537.50. His father was kind enough to add 6% interest until the total was paid back. His son paid the debt, changed his name, and never spoke to his father again. That is a bad example of what to do. The challenge for us as dads, especially for fathers who are followers of Jesus, we long to live up to what God has modeled for us. And in our shortcomings, and there will be shortcomings for us as dads, in our shortcomings, we're thankful that no matter how short we fall of the kingdom responsibilities that we have, God makes up the gap. Do you realize that even if your father was uh, like uh, Seton's father, Ernest Seton's father, even if you had a dad like that, the good news for everyone in this room today, the good news for you and for me and for us all, is that even, even if we had a father that we couldn't praise like I could praise mine, God is the perfect loving father who showers us with his love. God is the good father who showers us with powerful, perfect love. And that is for everyone who is part of God's family. God longs, he desires, he, his, his heartbeat is for his children, to bless his children, to take care of his children, to nourish the souls of his children. And no matter where you have been, no matter how far you have wandered away from God the Father, God has his arms open wide ready to hear your cry and give you the perfect, powerful help that you need. Today... I want us to lean into the truth of who God is. God, and God alone is the perfect, powerful Father who can shower us with love so that our souls are nourished deep down. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, I want to kind of give you the backdrop. Matthew chapter 7, 
Jesus is concluding this sermon that he began to preach. It's a, called the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. You know the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek. Uh, the, the, the Beatitudes were the uh, blessing statements and, and the characteristics of those who experience blessing as part of God's family. Uh, following that, the Beatitudes, Jesus then takes great pains to direct his disciples and you and me and how to live up to this family life that we are supposed to have as children of God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means for us to live in concert with the characteristics of the family of God. And this is good news for us because we need to know what it means to live up to the family of God in such a crooked world. And guys, listen, the family of God and and this world are at odds, and they have been for uh, ever. The, the, the family of God and, and the characteristics of this world are uh, often diametrically opposed to one another. And, and so Jesus says, if, if you want to look like you're part of God's family and live uh, up to being in God's family, this is what you need to do. And that's, that's Matthew 5 and 6 and even into 7. In fact, at the end of this sermon, Jesus says that, that if you... Um, Build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his teaching, then you will survive the test of every storm. If you live your life based upon the foundation of Jesus, relationship with him through faith in Jesus, having relationship with God, if you live your life on this foundation of Jesus and his teaching, then you will experience satisfaction for your soul regardless the storms that might come your way. But if you choose a lesser foundation, and isn't that really the test for us to choose a lesser foundation for living? Uh, To choose a lesser foundation for many of us looks like living a good moral life. If I can just be good enough, if I can just have the right thoughts, if I can just go in the right path, if I can just have the right things around me, then I'm going to be okay. But guys, that's a lesser foundation. Jesus didn't say, if you think right, it's going to be okay. He said, if you live your life on the foundation of him. And yet we often choose the lesser foundation. What's the result of a lesser foundation? The winds come and the rains fall and the floodwaters rise and our houses fall because they're built on a faulty foundation of sand. Anytime we substitute relationship with God and faithfulness to him through a relationship with Christ, Anytime we take that out of the equation and say, all I have to do is what I can do or what I can feel or who I can have around me. If I can choose the right friends, then I'm going to be okay. If I can think the right thoughts, I'm going to be okay. If I can be moral enough or good enough or uh, or smart enough or have the right vocation or, or, or whatever, then I'm going to be okay. But guys, that's the wrong foundation. That's a foundation that leads to failure. In life, the foundation that leads to life and satisfaction for the soul is living your life based upon Jesus. 
When we live our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean, living our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ? It means, first of all, that we have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. We see that without God, there is no joy in this life. Now, I want you to hear this because not everybody gets this. But without God, there is no joy in this life. There's no happiness in this life. There's no satisfaction in this life. Without a relationship with God, there is no happiness, no joy, no satisfaction. And without Jesus, you're not going to get to God. There's no way to have a relationship with God apart from faith in Jesus. For Jesus Christ is God become flesh who dwelt among us. This is Jesus who gave his life as payment for sin and your sin and mine upon a cross where he died in our place. This is Jesus who was raised from the dead to give us a new life. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, paves the way for you and for me to enter into God's family. And when we, by faith, take hold of Jesus, when we say, Jesus, you are my life, then Jesus leads us into God's family. God pours his spirit within us, and in that great, grand transaction of grace, we enter into the family of God. We live embarking upon a satisfied life because now we once were far from God, but now we're brought near through faith in Jesus Christ. Our lives have changed. Everything's different. Nothing's the same. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. That's not because of how you thought. That's not because of who you hung out with. That's not even because of how you feel. That's only because Jesus died for you on a cross, was raised from the dead, and you gave him your life. That's what it means to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his teaching. So have you experienced that kind of life change? If you have, then you're in the same place that these disciples were. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's telling them this is what it looks like to live in the satisfaction of a relationship with God. But we're all Every single person here who is part of God's family, we're all tempted to turn to a lesser foundation. All of us. I'm going to be satisfied because of blank. And if it's not absolute allegiance to God through faith in Jesus Christ, if that's not what the blank is, then you're settling for a lesser foundation. And there's no way you will be satisfied in the deepest recesses of your soul There's no way that you'll be secure when the storm hits and rocks your life. There's no way that you'll find joy or happiness in the daily walk of life because you're choosing a lesser foundation. So the test for us every single day is to make sure that we stand on the right foundation in how we live and the choices we make and the heartbeat of our soul. We want to make the right, have the right foundation when all these lesser foundations are calling our name. And so what Jesus does, he says, it's going to get tough. I I mean, one of the the pieces of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, 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 you have heard it said to you, bless those who bless you, but curse those who curse you. But I say to you, bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse them. 
He said, love your enemies. Pray for them who spitefully use you. I mean, this is tough stuff, right? That's hard. I'd rather choose a lesser foundation and punch somebody in the nose. But if we're going to live a satisfied life, if we're going to live with our souls soaking in the satisfaction, then we must live up to what it means to be part of God's family. So how do we do that? That's what Matthew 7, 7 through 11 is talking about. So Jesus said when it gets hard, by the way, that was all introduction. Now we're getting to the passage. Um, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son or daughter asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if his son or daughter asks for a fish, uh, the father would give him a snake or a serpent? If you then, being less than perfect or being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in, uh, in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is telling us something uh, about God as our Father. And dads, if you're in the room, the model for us, for us to follow is not the latest trend on Twitter or the, the neatest dad on TikTok. The, 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 the model that we are to follow, I don't even know what TikTok is, but it, whatever that is, the model for us to follow is the fatherhood of God. Do you realize God sets the model for how we are to live our lives? And the model is portrayed in these few verses. So, Dad, look to who God is and say, All right, I need to live as the dad that God shows me he is. But all of us in the room today, we need a father like God. And the good news is that God is a father to all who come to him by faith. I want you to see just a couple of things. When we're walking through this life, we long to be satisfied. All of us want to be satisfied. All of us want to be happy. All of us want to taste joy. How do we do it? Well, the first thing is you go to the source. You send your cries to the source of perfect health. You, 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 you send your cry to the perfect father. Jesus said, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened. Before we get to the second part of each one of those phrases, look at what he's saying. He said, ask, seek, knock. He said, you need to go to God with your cry. Do you know what a conundrum is? A conundrum is a puzzle. It, it can be a problem to be solved or a, a difficulty to be navigated. A conundrum is, is a confusing maze. And, and when we talk about conundrum in life, we're talking about something that's hard to navigate, something that's hard to find. Uh, if you've ever had a five-year-old in your house, you know that they ask conundrum questions. And some of those questions are easier to answer than others. It, it, not that hard. You just The conundrum is you don't know a, a, exactly how much detail they'll want. For instance, uh, a five-year-old will naturally ask, why don't we have dinosaurs walking the earth anymore? 
Now, for those of us who have studied, and, and, and all of us went through school, and we, we, we learned that there's a reason why dinosaurs aren't walking the earth. But you don't want to talk about global warming or, or ice age or stuff like that to your five-year-old that doesn't communicate. What do you want to say? Well, that's the conundrum for us as parents. Well, how do I... How, God didn't want them on the earth anymore. Yeah, I mean, really? Is that what you're going to say? You just have to, you, that's a conundrum. But that's a simple conundrum. That's like, you know, um, uh, that, that's simple. There are harder conundrums that we have to ask, that as parents we have to answer or try to answer as our children grow and life becomes more complex. Daddy, why don't they like me in my class? Daddy, why did that boy break my heart? Well, honey, I don't know why he broke your heart, but I'm going to go break his nose. <laughs> if you don't know, I have four daughters, just, just saying. It's, you have questions that they ask, and, and they're harder. I don't know how to answer every question my children have asked me, or even the questions that you ask me. But I do know that God is the answer for every question we have. I know, I know some of you don't believe that. I, I know, I know, I know, I get it. Y'all, oh, that seems a cheat. That's, a, that's, too, that's too preachery. It's, it's not right. No, 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 no. I believe that God is the answer. And even if the, 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 the stuff that we're asking and seeking and knocking about, even if it, it, it's complex and difficult, here's the good news, that God is the answer. Even in the answers that he gives us that we don't like, he is with us through those answers. God is the answer. God is the goal of our life. God is the essence of our life. And we need to walk with him. That's why Jesus came, so that we might be brought into a relationship with him. So today, whatever the cry is, whatever the pain, whatever the hunger is that you have, send your cry to your heavenly father and he will answer. That's the second part. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, the door is going to be open. Everyone, everyone who seeks finds. Everyone, he who knocks, door is open. This is good news for us. The good news is that God in his great love provides himself to answer our cry. More so than that, God will not mock our hunger. He will satisfy it. What's the hunger of your heart today? Is it bread? Pizza? It could be pizza. Is it bread? Is it food? Nourishment for your heart or soul? What, what is your hunger today? If you're part of God's family, understand he is ready, more than ready, to answer your hunger with himself. He's not going to mock it. You know, that, that's the question Jesus asked. He said, well, what father among you, if your son or daughter asks for bread, you're going to give them a, a stone? Or what father among you, if your son or daughter asks for fish, you're going to give them a serpent? Who would do that? Well, none of us would. And the crowd that was listening to the Sermon on the Mount, they would say, none of us. But Jesus said, make no mistake, if, if you who are 
so distracted so often by lesser foundations. If you, being evil, being sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who, who he calls his own, part of his family? That's not, that's not a make-believe promise. That's a right-now promise. That's not a uh, when-you-get-to-heaven promise. That's a right-now promise. When you're asking and seeking and knocking, God is opening the door and he's, he's answering and he's uh, helping you find. He's giving you what you need. But, but here's the other part of that. If you ask for a snake, he's not going to give it to you. You say, oh, you know, I'm hungry. I've got this need in my life. God, will you give me this, this serpent or this stone so I can be satisfied? And God says, no, I'm not giving you that. I'm not going to give you something that will never satisfy you. I'm the good father. I'm going to give you that which will satisfy you. Sometimes my children have asked for things that, um, that I've said no to. You know, no is a complete sentence in case you did wonder. Right? No it's complete. It doesn't need a lot of explanation. No. And there have been times when I've just used that complete sentence. No. The truth is and my daughters know this, that I'm probably the easier touch in our phone, home. And, and I don't know if it's cause of daddy-daughter and then mother-daughter kind of thing, but I, you know, if, if they need a little coin, I'll give them a little coin. You know, I, okay, if I, I've had to stop carrying cash because I'll just, okay, here, you know. And, and, and Edie, in the right way and, and with the right heart, says, you know, I just gave them money, you know, and... and well, I know, but they needed a little, you know, anyway. But when I'm on my game, not, not off my game, when I'm really on my game and they ask me for something, I know it's not something that will satisfy, I'll say no. I'll say no, 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 no. Complete sentence. You know, sometimes God says no, and it's a complete sentence. You know why? Because we're asking for a stone or a snake, and it'll never satisfy our soul. And so what does God do? He says, okay, I'm not going to give you a stone. I'm going to give you bread. I'm not going to give you a snake. I'm going to give you fish. I'm going to give you something that will satisfy your soul. Always trust the God who loves you to give you what you need to satisfy the hunger of your heart. Let's stop looking to lesser foundations, but, and let's start trusting the living God as we call upon him in prayer and say, God, you're the good, perfect Father. I'm counting on you to help me find satisfaction for my soul. Are you looking to God to satisfy your soul? Today, you know, we, we, we long, we long to be satisfied. Every human heart longs to be nourished in the deepest places of who we are. We want, we want to be joyful and happy and secure. But are we going to the right source? You realize that if in today's world, if, if I were a dad and my son or daughter came to, I am a dad, but in this scenario, if I were a dad, my son or daughter came to me and said, dad, will you buy me a rattlesnake so that I can play with it? And I said, sure, honey. I mean, you ask, I'm here to provide. 
And so I go out and I find a rattlesnake and I buy it and I bring it into her room and I let it go and say, have fun. What would happen to a dad like that? Honestly, what do you think would happen to a dad like that? Jail. Uh, You're arrested. I mean, that's dangerous kind of thing. So why do we expect God, who knows all things, to give us rattlesnakes that we're asking for? Today, God doesn't want to give you a snake. He wants to give you fish. He doesn't want to give you a stone. He wants to give you bread. And the way we know that God is the perfect Father who gives us the perfect provision in the perfect time for our everyday life, the reason we know that is because of Jesus. Jesus is God's perfect provision for you and me. We were separated from God by our sin. So God sent Jesus, who is fully God, to become a man, to live out his life in sinless perfection, to be covered in righteousness. And in his perfection, Jesus went to a cross. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died upon that cross as payment, not for his sin, but for your sin. Not for his iniquity, but for our iniquity. Jesus died for our sin. And in our place, And he was raised from the dead to give us a new life so that when we by faith trust him, he has made us fit for his family and he brings us into God's family. If you're part of God's family, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's totally different. Life is no longer the same. If you're part of God's family, it's different than being a religious person. That's something, you know, uh, dogs can religiously do the same thing over and over again. We're not talking about being religious. We're talking about having a relationship with God. And if you have tasted that relationship, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's what we celebrate with the Lord's Supper. We're celebrating God's goodness in giving his grace to us in the person of Jesus. This meal, it's it's not really a meal. It's a a wafer and some juice. It's It's a picture of being part of God's family, not being part of a church specifically, an organization, but being part of God's family. It's a picture of us who have been changed by God's grace through faith in Jesus. It's a picture of how you once were lost, but now you're found. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were dead in your sin, but now you are alive. The, the, the bread and the juice, they, they're a picture of the body and the blood of Jesus. That Jesus broke his body so that you might be made whole. And he shed his blood so that your sin and mine might be covered and forgiven. So today, if you're a follower of Jesus, this meal is for you. And I'm going to invite you in a moment to come and take the elements. And once you take the elements, just go back to your seat and just wait, and we'll, we'll partake, which means we'll eat and drink together. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I, I just want to encourage you to consider, is today the day for me to enter into God's family by placing my faith and trust in Jesus? Jesus. 
So I'm going to pray here in a second. I'm going to ask our deacons to come and after I pray, and they're going to stand, and then I'm going to invite you to come and get the elements. If you're a follower of Christ, part of his family, so that together we might celebrate the good Father who has given us the perfect gift so that we might be part of his family. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your goodness to us. I pray right now that as we partake the elements that you would overwhelm us with a sense of gratitude, but also remind us that you are the Father who not only gave us life through Jesus Christ, but you're the good Father who provides for us the things that will satisfy our soul. I pray, O oh God, that you would walk with us in these moments and that you would um, help us to remember and reflect the new life we have because of faith in Jesus. And I pray if there's anyone here today, and those among us who are not yet part of your family, I pray that you would burden them to long to be part of your family. Now, Father, in these next few moments, let us consider, celebrate, Reflect and remember what it takes for us to be part of your family, the price that you paid and the provision that you made in Christ Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.